Welcome to Ground Control, Checking In, a podcast where we talk with business and technical experts and executives about the nexus of software and space. I'm your host, Simon Halpern, Chief Operating Officer for Cubos, an early stage company that is bringing the software revolution to space. As software continues to eat away at every industry, from retail, financial services, to healthcare and infrastructure, the space industry is no exception. On this show, we get to know our guests, share perspectives, insights, and a vision of the future when software has eaten space. Subscribe at Cubos.com. That's K-U-B-O-S.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to part two of episode two. With me now is Michael Ricks Ahern, our director of Mission Control. Welcome, Michael. Hi, it's good to be here. Good to have you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. So we're we're really early into the the podcast, the first season of our podcast here. So we're still sharing a little bit about the company and getting to know some of the folks that work here. So uh, let's just let's just start. Let's rewind, Michael from our director of mission control, and let's find out a little bit more about where Michael came from and where did you grow up and what were you interested in as a kid? Oh, space related or not. So many things. Uh, so I grew up in the Bronx, actually. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that, Simon. I knew it was New York. I didn't know. Yeah, the Bronx. It was, it was the Bronx. Okay. wasn't wasn't exactly the best neighborhood. You wouldn't know it by looking at me. I remember I used to say, like, if you grow up in the Bronx, you either get tough or you get fast. And I was a good runner. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm forty, and my knees don't work. So now I'm now I'm neither. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners, can you tell everybody a little bit about uh, the, how you met, how you heard about us, and and what piqued your interest? Yeah, it was... So, I was missing space. I had <laughs> been in two non-space jobs, and it was, already, it was already too much. And so, I had reached out to Tyler a, wi- a, a long ways back and just was asking if he or others, I'd reached out to a couple of people in the space industry, had any moonlighting jobs. Cause I really loved my job at 1904 labs. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make a change at all. And so I asked for, for moonlighting jobs and, and Tyler being Tyler, uh, <laughs> eventually talked to me into this, uh, director of mission control position. Um, which is, you know, I mean, that's, that's hard. That's my bread and butter. I mean, mission control is, is, mm-hmm is really the closest you can be to to being in space without being an astronaut. And so that's really where my passion lies. And so it was a, I would say it's a, it was a fairly easy sell on his part. He may disagree with that, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a fairly easy sell to, to get me to come here because you know, that a, a really good mission control makes the difference, right? It, it, it can help you optimize your constellation. There's there's so many things that can go wrong in space. That's the big difference between space and the software industry is the the consequences of failure are just much higher on the space side. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, you make one little mistake in your turbo pump or something like that. And your whole rocket and all the satellites aboard uh, go up in flames. And so when it comes to mission control, optimizing in the face of all these difficulties in the face of solar storms in the face of conjunction alerts in the face of bugs on the ground and bugs in space, you know, in the face of Mm -hmm. varying time zones and operator fatigue. And it's a massive, extremely complex 
extremely interesting problem to solve. And, you know, a good mission control uh, is worth its weight in gold because, you know, it, it, it can, it, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It can save your satellite. It can save your constellation. <laughs> you know, if you got a big solar storm coming in um, and you get alerted to that and you get, you have a chance to save all your satellites, you know, that's millions and millions of dollars you can save of potential losses there that you can, that you can avoid. So it's, it's really cool to me. I, I, I love the business. I love space in general and mission control in particular really, really gets me fired up. Let's, let's chat a little bit about major Tom. Uh, when you first, when you first joined, you know, what are some of your, your early memories of, of the product and, and how do you, you know, how do you see things evolving over the next you know months and years? Actually, let's hang on. Let's let's go. Oh, let's 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 do something else. Take All a right. maybe take a step back. If, okay. Let's let's go with how how would you you know ma- so Major Tom is our is our cloud based mission control software mm-hmm. for spacecraft, and what is what does that mean to you? What is what is what is Major Tom? Who is Major Tom? Maybe. <laughs> well, behind Major Tom. So so mission control is a part of mission operations, right? And mission operations mm-hmm. is fundamentally about optimizing value streams, right? There, there's, you can imagine there's these satellites going around the planet and they're generating value. They're taking pictures or they're running experiments or they're storing and forwarding bits of data or whatever it is, but whatever they're doing, they're generating value and getting that value down to the ground is an optimization problem, right? You 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 have to do it in the face of an enormous number of difficulties, um, a bunch of which I talked about, but also, you know, mm-hmm. really basic ones like if you can see two satellites at the same time, which one do you talk to? You know, if you can take pictures of 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 certain places, if you're a picture taking satellite, or if you can run your experiment in certain places, if you can generate value in different places, where's the the optimum place to do that? You know. How long is too long to spend on a six satellite? There's all these questions, and they're they're not they're not easy answers. A lot of them are not automatable. They require good judgment, and you know this is an NP hard kind of kind of problem. And so, in my opinion, mission control is 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 about two things. It's about situational awareness and actionability. Right? Every display should tell you. You sort of at a glance, what's important within the context of that display. Uh, information should be dense. It should be actionable. Navigation between displays should be logical and, and context-aware and mostly hierarchical. Actions should be at different levels of granularity. Like you should be able to co- command your entire constellation with a button click, and you should be able to drop, you know, dive down really low and send bits and bytes to a particular satellite if you're trying to really debug something specific. And so I, I'm, I'm excited about Major Tom moving in this direction. It's already a, a pretty awesome product and, and you know, we've got a million things on the roadmap. My only, you know, my frustrations only come in the area of, of how fast we can get to, <laughs> to the promised land. You know, I'm always, I'm always bugging Tyler, like, get me more engineers, <laughs> get me more engineers. Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. Standard uh, startup problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but I, I want it to be nothing less than the, the best mission control in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I think we can do it. We have, I've built multiple mission controls before we have fabulous customers 
who give us amazing feedback, who are flying all sorts of different different things. I know I can't talk about their tech, but you know, all sorts of different tech, all sorts of different sizes of of mm-hmm. satellites and sizes of constellations and it's just I mean it's it's a it, it's a perfect storm for developing the best mission control uh, mm-hmm. that can exist. Yeah. You, you built some mission controls. I'm not sure if those were, were on-premise or cloud-based, but then, and then you had some you know, good experience outside of the space world uh, in uh, you know, cloud software companies. Uh, so, so how does Major Tom take advantage of the cloud? Like what, what makes it, would you say, the best mission control in the world or maybe yeah. on the planet, on and <laughs> off the planet, if things go really well? Right, in the universe, I guess. I mean... Yeah. Uh, no, until we have evidence otherwise, right? <laughs> let's let's um, take it. Let's go for it. Yeah, no, I mean the using the cloud is a is a no brainer. Now it might have been it might have been debatable, I think, early on, but right now maintaining your own data center, unless that's your thing, um, or unless you have just really bizarre requirements, it doesn't make sense to to do it. It, it makes sense to 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 do things in the cloud. And I think the the cloud revolution is coming to space, you know, for all the same reasons that down here it's easier to just build your business in the cloud. It's it's going to be similar in space. We're, one of the things that excites me most about um what we're doing is how it sort of fits into this larger arc of space development. Particularly when it comes to infrastructure in space. You know that's been that's been the thing that's lacking. It, it it's hard to go to the moon. It's hard to go to Mars. It's hard to go even to Leo when you have to sort of bring everything with you, right? You gotta you gotta bring the space equivalents of a, a gas station and a, and spare parts and a mechanic shop and everything like that. There's not one to one analogies, but but in general you know, generally speaking, infrastructure has been a very limiting factor. And I think one of the things we're doing by embracing cloud technology for Major Tom and encouraging that is we're 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 bringing that revolution to space. There there's gonna be this sort of incentive to put more stuff up there because you will be able to rent it out to others, right? Mm-hmm. Um and just just as in the way businesses now you know when the christmas rush comes in businesses will burst onto the cloud for excess capacity we're going to be in a situation in not a long amount of time where you can burst onto the stars you know where you can um where if your satellite goes down for whatever reason you can go hop on another one that's got an equivalent instrument grab the data you need to grab and your and your customers are are still happy and so this kind of uh cross-company collaborations and leasing of of uh, of um infrastructure and leasing of assets in in spaces is, is it, you know can't be understated how important this is i mean it's going to push things in the right direction um and i think it's one part in a large number of parts i mean we're a small cog in a in a large industry but i think it's one part that's really going to push us to 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 sort of becoming a spacefaring society on the path to becoming that that society uh, you've you've been uh, you've been with us for 
a little while now, and you know you've seen you've, you've, the product's been evolving quickly since since you joined. Uh, we've brought on some new customers that are now in space, and it's been really exciting. So, does anything? You know, from your time here, you know, what what stands out? Uh, either maybe internal one one internal thing, um, you know, about the product or company, and and one external, you know, customer facing thing. What what's been some exciting moments or really interesting things that maybe you you didn't think about before you joined that just came up? What's been the most interesting for me lately has been sort of bridging the gap. I think uh, is what I would term it. So I've flown I've flown a constellation of satellites before, but that's a that's a fairly unique experience, and translating that experience into the vision for Major Tom has been uh, challenging, but like a good kind of challenging, right? We talk to customers, and you know, we're a, a bunch of our customers are sort of at the beginning of their journey, um, their 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 sort of space journey. In a lot of ways, I you know I have a I have a decent idea of what they're in for. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's exciting. I mean, that's, you know, because space is hard, right? You know, solar storms are a thing. Cold welding, you know, is a thing. Zinc whiskers Mm -hmm. are a thing, right? There's a a lot that can go wrong. And it's just been really exciting for me, the – the most interesting thing is is bridging the gap is is translating you know what i know from my own experience and what our customers are experiencing into well, what do we need to build next right what what what's going to what's going to make the biggest impact for for the operators that are using major tom but yeah that's i would say that's been that's been kind of the 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 most unique experience about this is not not being surrounded by uh, I mean, Simon. I know you have a background in space, but not many others in the in the company do. It's a lot. We have a lot of software engineers, and so it's fun to, you know, it's fun to talk space with them. Because <laughs> space yeah, is interesting to everybody. What's that? You know. Yes, I. I think that that's a hands down. It's not a requirement to work here, but it, it's definitely right. uh, it it. it for the the general you know population at large, space it tends to be interesting. Uh, yeah. So so what are so where are I think you've you've actually done a great job painting a picture of of where the, the what the future of, of space and space infrastructure can can look like, uh, and where do you where do you see us headed, uh, just as a whole? To the moon. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I well, I, you know, I, I'm I'm being kind of facetious, but I'm but I'm actually but I'm not either right like we so our current customers kind of fall under i mean mission control there is no one perfect mission control for all phases of flight and all customers and and things like that right there's a there's a there's a famous phrase in the industry called test as you fly which which you know which means you want to as soon as possible as soon as you've got something that even resembles a satellite you want to button it up and put it somewhere else and talk to it as if it's in space and continue doing so, right? You want to treat it as if, it's, as if it's up there because you can't go up there and reboot it. So, and you can't go up there and plug something in and, or move things around or something like that. And so, you know, people want to use mission control as soon as the boards are printed, even before the, the satellites really put together. And so that's sort of one entire set of features you can imagine that are necessary for someone like that all the way up through 
you know, I would say from there you go to a single satellite and then maybe a small constellation of less than 50, say, and then um, large constellation where you're really starting to starting to try to optimize, you know, your your operator's time. Um, you need to start leveraging AI solutions, and, and you know, it's it, it's cattle, not pets, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and for all of those, you know, we have multiple types of customers. One where you know where people are sort of operating the thing all by themselves, um, and others where it's split between companies who who does the bus and who does the payload. And so I would love to add onto the end of that, you know, lunar, uh, lunar missions. I would love to have someone on, on Major Tom who wants to use Major Tom uh, to go to the moon. It's exciting. You know, we would, or Mars or beyond. I mean, uh, I would love for uh, Major Tom to be a reflection of the growth of the space industry. That is a perfect note to end the initial part of our interview on. Thank you. Uh, So for those who have listened to some of our earlier episodes, they'll uh, be familiar with the lightning round, which we're going to jump into now. Uh So this is why I should have listened to Tyler's before, (laughs) before coming here. (laughs) So here we got it. We've got a few questions, lightning round, just whatever, whatever comes to mind. Okay. Uh, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. What is the first remote control thing you ever owned or remember using? <laughs> An RC plane. And I did the thing that most kids do is I, you don't throw it hard enough. And so it flopped right in front of me on the first throw and <laughs> broke off the entire propeller and engine. And that was the end of it. <laughs> okay. And my experience with, with, uh, with RC planes um, was about as long as as it took to answer that question. <laughs> Got it. CubeSats or small sats? Oh, I would go CubeSats. I like the, I like the, the sound of it better. I, I realized that I think small sats makes more sense in, in the, with PicoSats and microsats and small sats. And so you can have like a, a scaling factor, but um, I have a, a particular affinity towards CubeSats because that's where I got started myself. Okay, this this might be relevant to your 13-year-old experience. So, would you rather sit in the captain's chair but not be able to touch anything, right? And so the plane's on autopilot, but you get to sit in the captain's chair, or would you rather fly a drone remotely? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I'd rather fly a drone. Yeah. Yeah. Pilot. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a yeah. pilot okay. at heart. <laughs> Favorite space meme or non-cat. favorite software I, meme? Does non-cat count? I don't know. It. I mean, it is going through space, right? The little, do you know what I'm talking about when I say non-cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yes. So, I mean, absolutely. I don't know if that's okay. necessarily, it's either that or the space, what, space sphere from Portal 2. The one that's like space as, <laughs> as it goes by. I love that. Yep. I, I, okay. I, I couldn't get enough of that when I was playing that game. Okay. <laughs> okay. Favorite number in the countdown sequence? <laughs> Two. That's the final opportunity for uh, a hold. 
an emergency hold. And so if they get past two, you know, you're really going. This is, it's interesting. We've uh, so far, every guest has picked a different number. Mm. So that's, we'll see how, we'll see how this plays out over the next uh, few seasons. Okay. Uh, favorite astronaut, uh, Chris Hadfield for sure. Mm. Um, not only is he just extremely cool and he played, he, you know, he played guitar in space. Like who, how many people have done that? Mm. But uh, there's actually a story behind here. He, he played a song. He visited planet labs and I couldn't be there because I was getting married uh, that weekend. And it was a terrible, it was a terrible loss. Cause I wanted to meet an astronaut so badly, <laughs> but they told him this and, and God bless him. He recorded a song, a very you know, a very short clip of a song for me, for my wedding, um, dedicated oh. to me and then played, play a song. And so that, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Okay. Current, current events, but with a little, with a twist. Okay. Would you rather, would you rather be launched in a virgin spaceship, but with Jeff Bezos as your co-passenger mm-hmm. or would you rather go in blue origin spaceship with Richard Branson as your co-passenger. Oh, wait, can I do both? <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to. I got to choose one. Yeah, I guess I'll go Virgin because it's because it happened already. So I there, you know, you, you don't know if if there's going to be delays on the on the Blue Origin side. But yeah, I would I would definitely. Pick it's both. interesting. <laughs> some some people some people tend to go on the the just pick the spacecraft. Others may have picked the person. So it's it's an interesting. It's a fun one. Okay. Favorite coding language? Probably Python. Yeah, I would say. What is the next software-enabled thing as a service here on Earth? Ooh. Software-enabled thing as a service. Hmm. I can't think of one, but if someone could figure out a way for my coffee mug to refill itself in the morning, I would... I would pay any amount of money for that. <laughs> okay. All right. There's a, some, someone's going to start a company now based on that. <laughs> okay. Moving up to space. What's, what's the most kind of ridiculous, like almost useless thing that could be built for space just has, serves no purpose, but, but requires like a, an incredible amount of complexity to build. Well, I wouldn't say it serves no purpose, but definitely would just be a massive amount of resources is the, the, the space elevator attached to an asteroid. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen plans and I use that term very loosely for this, where you capture an (laughs) asteroid and then attach some, some, you know, carbon nano, whatever to it um, and make a space elevator. And the, the amount of effort it would take to do all that is just orders of magnitude more than I think you would get (laughs) out of it. (laughs) Okay, and final question. If you could remotely control a satellite from anywhere on Earth with a person of historical significance, who would that person be and where would you be? Oh, interesting. That's a good twist on a person of historical significance. Okay, so probably Newton, just because he would he would have his mind blown. And then <laughs> I'd want to control... I'd want to control maybe the, maybe the Soho satellite that takes pictures of the sun, mm-hmm. and and I mean that would be how, how cool is that to 
to take pictures of of the sun and in a way that I'm certain he never saw in his lifetime. It, yeah, oh, blow blow Newton's mind. That'd be great. <laughs> and where where would you guys be oh, flying from? Well, obviously some somewhere enjoyable like Hawaii or something. You know, <laughs> it doesn't. If we're controlling remotely, the, uh... we don't have to be anywhere. You you want to be comfortable. You know, you want to have a mai tai when you're controlling satellites. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what the automation is, is there. To that's what it really us. is. Yeah, it really is. It's <laughs> just for the Mai Tais. <laughs> okay, well, Michael Rixahern, our Director of Mission Control here at Cubos, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 